says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast, a special and rather bittersweet edition this week with a special guest that we'll get to shortly. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me shortly will be my good mate, 60s, who will introduce our special guest for the show. Before we get there, though, a quick shout out to the sponsors of the Tip Sheet, Big Swing Golf, North Maine, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Narellan, and Parramatta. Thanks to both those companies for helping make the Tip Sheet happen each and every episode. But now I'll let 60s introduce our special guest this week. John, this is a really special podcast that we're doing today because we're talking to someone who's not just a great mate of the podcast, but also a great mate of ours. He's a legend at the Parramatta Club and his time at the club is actually coming to an end after decades and decades. Well, basically a lifetime's association with the club. Joey Grimer is moving on. He's currently in the position of Senior Academy Coach at the Parramatta Eels. We're going to talk to him today about what's been happening in that program, but just as importantly, we're going to talk to him about what is in store for him in the very near future, and it's very exciting. Joey Grimer, mate, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. G'day, 40s. G'day, 60s. It's great to be back on your wonderful program. It's been a while and there's so much to talk about, and I can't wait to share it with you and your listeners, mate. It might be the uh, most bittersweet episode we've recorded, 60s. Yeah, yeah it I, certainly could. I, yeah, we've got a feeling it's going to be, but we're, I mean, this won't be the last time that we're catching up with you. We were just talking about, um, you know, before we started the recording, that we'll be catching up with you tomorrow night at the presentation night for the junior reps and no doubt we'll be catching up with you from time to time even in even though your new role is going to take you away from the eels but mate let's talk about this year for a start because it's been a terrific year for the eels elite pathways programs we had all three junior rep teams qualifying for finals football the sg ball taking out the title uh, we had some external recruits in that team but there were plenty of players that been in the have been in the eels pathways for an extended time, that must have given you tremendous pride about the accomplishments of our programs leading into that title. Yeah, it's a really good point you talk about, 60s. And um, um, I'm elated, uh, not only for the club, uh, but for the staff that have been involved in the elite programs uh, space and our academy or development space. Um, A lot of these young men and women have come through our development pathways and we're going back for these SG ball players, we're going back five or six years and the incremental advancement in their skill and their understanding has just produced this uh, wonderful product in our SG ball, uh, particularly this year, uh, mixed with some external um, players and it just gave us this wonderful foundation or this wonderful formula um, which we've uh, avoided uh, for a long period of time and we were lucky uh, to win that premiership this year but going back to your question 60s it's just such a wonderful feeling for the staff 
that have given their time voluntarily, the coaches, the managers, the trainers, um, to get these boys, these young men and young women to where they are today. Yeah, we've spoken with you in the past, Joy, about how massive an undertaking it is in the Parramatta District to look after not just the junior level but the elite level itself. And, yeah, all the auxiliary staff, the coaches, the trainers, the support staff do a wonderful job across all the squads, whether it's the actual uh, representative squads or the uh, talent squads. Couldn't couldn't agree more, John. And we're talking upwards of 100 voluntary staff and we're talking upward of um, uh, 450 uh, young men and young women uh, from the age of uh, under-13s making their first year in their under-14s development squad right up to our under-21s jersey flag squad. So um, the, the area we're talking about, the, 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 the numbers of, of uh, captured people uh, in those programs are enormous. And I think I've uh, mentioned this to you on previous podcasts that we are the largest program in any NRL-aligned junior club. So it's it's enormous. And it was always going to take a bit of time until we saw um, or got the achievements in which we set out for uh, two, three, and even four years ago. But we're at a stage now where we really understand our under-16-year-olds that most will form our Harold Matthews side in 2023-24. We've got some wonderful under-15s coming through that potentially will be in our Harold Matthews side um, a year after. So the process now is aligned and so we're so better off as a club, but it was always going to take a little bit of time to set that up. Yeah, and... One of those, uh, another key part of uh, of setting things up has been that the Jets program, and you've long been a passionate advocate of the Jets program, and many of that 2022 class advanced into an NRL pre-season uh, before returning to the ball and flag squads this year. Can you explain that program to our listeners and why you've championed its place in Eels Pathways? Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks, Sixties. Um, the JETS program, or the acronyms, just stands for Junior Elite Talent Squads, and it's a it's a program where it's probably our blue chip program. Yes, we have Harold Matthews and SG Ball, and we have our development squads and Tasha Gale and Lisa Fiola, but this is the blue chip event, if you like, where we identify a number of players, and those players come in to a environment or an inner sanctum-like environment where by uh, for eight weeks they are coached, trained, mentored by full-time NRL staff. So whilst they're getting the excellent detail coaching from their respective programs, whether it be Harold Matthews or SG Ball, one day a week for eight weeks, they come in and they're treated like an NRL player. It's at our high performance centre at Kellyville. They're instructed and, as I said, mentored by Brad Arthur and his assistant coach, st- coaching staff. And on the field, from a dynamic point of view, they have access to all the NRL resources and staff 
So what they're gaining is that next level of extra detailed coaching to the point where it's high performance based. So it's a acknowledgement um, that these young men at this stage, it's just men, but we may include females in the future, but it's just giving them a taste of what is required to train at the top level. And one of the things too that um, I noticed about the program was that involvement with um, the parents if, when it comes to like th- things like uh, food preparation, nutrition and, and that sort of thing. So it's not just educating the players themselves, but also the, the parents about what, what is required for um, that next level of, of player. We found it very important, 60s, and you were privy to one of these presentations in 2018, just before COVID, I, I believe. It's really important, um, um, 60s, that we educate the parents because who knows, it's the parents that are purchasing, are cooking, mm-hmm. are feeding or fueling our future athletes or the children of their family. So it's really, really important that we share the nutritional information that is going to um, give their child a better chance of succeeding in the performance area of rugby league. Also, there's the other side, the wellness and welfare. It's also important to share information about players' wellness and welfare to work through what the objectives or what are the commitments in signing a contract to a club, things like that, that the parents may not necessarily understand. And the areas where we can help those players, in this case, the parent children or the guardian's children, um, to be in a more positive mindset, um, access to... Um, you know, different programs with um, counsellors, education, employment workers, things like that. So it's not only about rugby league. And that's what we found to engage the parents. One, you get more buy-in. And two, they acknowledge the genuine care factor that the club is providing for their child, in this case, um, our players. And continuing with that theme of education, Joey, uh, it's well known that elite pathways football is like a funnel. The further you progress, the more narrow and competitive the opportunities become. We've heard staff talk to young people about having two plans, not a plan A and a plan B, but two plan A's and the importance of education. What's the best advice you can give to a young player about the need uh, or what they need rather on the football side of things to maximise opportunities presented to them? Yeah, I I, I worked under Ricky Stewart um, for some time in 2008, 9 and 10. And Ricky always told a story or mentioned a line to his players, how you live your life off the field reflects how you perform on the field. And Dave Gower has a saying, and you've suggested it, don't have a plan A and a plan B, have two plan A's. Because of the situation that it's highly likely that a player is not going to make it into the NRL. Mm -hmm. So don't sell the opportunity of employment or education as a 
plan B or a second opportunity. And that's why it's so important at our club through um, David Gower and Auntie Chrissy that employment education is so important and they understand that by getting it right now or having a better understanding of your goals and the direction you want to go into is going to have a massive consequence to the majority of those players, unfortunately, that don't make it into the NRL. And, you know, that's it's actually interesting because um, you do see quite a number of these uh, players when they're the, the members of the uh, SG Ball team. I know a number of them are already at university and and doing their studies there. So they may have their goals in, when it comes to rugby league, but they're ensuring that they have qualifications and uh, and I guess then it comes down to they get to make a choice. If they've got two plan A's, if both are there, they can choose which path that they want to take rather than having to take one or the other. And that's the exact... Uh, if I said to you, what's the definition of two plan A's? Um, 60, 60s, you've just hit it out of the park. That's exactly what the definition is. And with our contracts, when we're contracting young men and young women, we entice the opportunities for TEAs or tertiary, tertiary education allowances of up to five or $10,000 we actually put that in there as an opportunity where they could gain so much advantage by utilising that and it could be uh, drawn down to help them with a course or upskill in a uh, an activity or purchase some resources that are going to benefit the outcome of the direction they want to take. So the way we structure our contracts and the way that we assist with our employment and um, uh, education opportunities, uh, all points to having two plan A's. So yes, sometimes they won't make it. Most of them won't make it into the NRL or NRLW. But as you rightly suggested, 60s, some of the young men and women may think that, you know what, I've got a passion for something else. And because they've got two plan A's, they can take that route Whenever Whereas they didn't think of it as a priority, they may not have that to fall back onto. And whenever I think of those two plan A's, the first player that comes to mind to me is Steve Dresler. Yeah, oh, yeah, perfect. Who you know had an unfortunate uh, issue with his knees that cut him short from being able to play NRL, but he immediately turned that round into an incredible opportunity by creating what ability and and they're just going and doing amazing things. So having those two plan A's is incredible. Couldn't agree more. And his mentor was a bloke that um, we had at our club who um, David Gower, our wellbeing and welfare officer, worked under in Dean Feeney. So I'm not surprised that someone under Dean Feeney has had the level of success because Dean Feeney was the one that initiated it um, and Dave Gower is now driving that bus on two plan A's. Now, just the other, of course, the other part of, making something out of football is um, players accepting uh, responsibility for things. And you gave us the privilege of taking team photos for the under-16 squad. And when we were there, you're very forthright in reminding the players about their responsibilities. Simple things like wearing the correct club gear, turning up on time, being disciplined when they were taking that the team photo. Um, but that wasn't a one-off. I mean, we've seen you drive responsibilities ever since we've known you. 
why is that something that you emphasise so much? Yeah, it's a really funny one, and I get asked this a lot, 60s, and I could probably narrow it down to these young men and women I consider as close as my kids. I spend so much time with them. So I would not or I would tell them the same thing that I would tell my uh, son Frank and my daughter Josephine in, you know, looking after their appearance, having the respect and the courtesy of greeting someone or saying goodbye to someone or having the courtesy of being on time or notifying if you can't. And I just think, 60s and Jono, that it sets these young men and women up um, to an area of responsibility. And if these young men and young women don't understand where the uh, line in the sand is or the boundaries within your program, and if you don't set, set, if you don't set those uh, rules or guidelines in, it'll just become unprofessional, it will become unsafe, and it will become less enjoyable. And it's really important for these life skills that they can take to future employers, take them home, take them to their school, take them to their place of work. And it just ensures that we are doing the right thing. So we are trying to make our younger men and women better people. I just think it's such an important thing that in society we've lost and you don't want to walk around like a drill sergeant. You only really need to say it once or twice. And the people that want to be there will comply and the people that don't want to be there won't comply and eventually won't be in our programs. So I think it's really, really important. And notwithstanding, I I feel that uh, young men and young women, boys and girls, like a little bit of structure and enjoy being told what they can and can't do to a smaller extent. And it just just polishes off the program. Um, So that's where I'm coming from, Mm -hmm. from that angle. 60s. And I think it's worked in the past because a lot of the people that we have in our senior programs are really genuinely good and delightful and courteous people. Yeah. And and can I just add there that we as I said in the question, we've observed it so many times over the over the years that these things they're not just a one-off or, you know, something that happens here and there. Like literally any time we've been around the the teams, the squads that you've been involved in, that you've you've demanded certain standards mm-hmm. of of the players and and they're just they're just good advice. I mean it's it was everything from um, I, I remember being at a at watching a trial game um, many years ago with you and um, you know, there was a there was a young player out on the field, and you could hear him swearing all the way from the the sideline. Oh, yeah, you, I remember that game. That and, was a yeah, little cool. Yeah, yeah, and and when you called him over for a quick chat um, when he came off the field, and I remember your words were something like, "Look, you know, I'm not going to tell you you can't be swearing out on the field because it happens out there, but if I can hear it from all the way over here, it's a couple then, of octaves you know, too high. You yeah. need to re- you need to reel it in a bit, and um, and you know, it was just. It was just, you know, very simple advice. And, you know, the young bloke nodded and said sorry and 
off he went. And then even even the most recent when we were at the taking the team photos, and as we were talking to you after the photos were over, a, a young bloke was over there and he was waiting for you to finish talking with us. And then he apologised to you for not having some of the gear that he needed on that day. But he came, he was coming over to you to make that apology. He wasn't, you know, um, he obviously you'd spoken to him before, but he wanted to express his apology to you again um, about something that happened. And it just drives that responsibility, doesn't it? For the it does, for, it does, and it's not about um, them being in trouble. Um, I no. Mean, we're a little bit more seasoned than these um, uh, young men or young women we're dealing with. And there's a level of wisdom within our Agreed, um, souls. Yeah. And it's just a, uh, it, it just puts them in the right sense. And the fact that that young man, and I know who you're talking about, the fact that that young man came up and apologised resonated that, yeah, he does get it. And, I, and you know what? We, we all make mistakes and we all forget things. And that, that young gentleman that was swearing on the field that's all part of rugby league, and it's just a little bit of making them aware of what's going around, so they can be a little bit more um, uh, focused, or uh, you know, have a better understanding. That sure, you're going to get angry on the footy field, or sure, you're going to say something that's not appropriate, but you can do it in different ways, and that just gives me the reassurance that the little things that we're uh, passing on or encouraging our uh, uh, junior athletes with. Um, they're buying into, and I, again, I go back to if you have a look at our, um, our younger or our more senior um, 18, 19, 20-year-old men and women, um, we've got some outstanding, better, the, the, the best young group of uh, young men and women that we've had for a long time. And I think this is part of why, as well as the, the level of diligence with our, within our own coaching structure. So I, I really appreciate that question. Um, 60s, and I, um, I think it's really, really important to set foundations for the culture, for the better of the culture for the rugby league um, uh, programs. And going back to that squad and going on a bit of a tangent here, uh, the under 16 development squad, that is, they still have some matches to play this season. Uh, they do, they do, John. Yeah. Um, actually, we've got uh, under 14s, um, we've arranged in the July holidays for our under 14s, our under 15s and uh, our under-16s to participate in a couple more trial games. So what we'll do, Jono, we'll invite uh, communication that's gone out to the parents and the players. We're going to invite them for their uh, last phase. We call this phase three of their development program. Now, phase three will invite them in to train twice in the July holidays just to get a familiarity again within their own squad and group. And then we've arranged that the Roosters and the West Magpies will play them in two one-off trial games. So that's coming up in the month of July during the school holidays. So this will end at the end of those trial games, Jono, that will finish the development program for 2023. So with our under-16s, they've had 32 training sessions, participated in three friendly games, four competition non-points non game, and then they're going to have another trial game. So this is where I was saying in your podcast previously or um, um, 
uh, 15, 20 minutes ago that we know more about our under 16-year-olds and how good or how indifferent or where they're at in comparison to previous Harold Matthews years. But not only that, we understand because we've had so much dealing with them, we know what type of people they are mm. now. And we've got that with our 15s and our 14s. And that's exactly what I was suggesting before. It takes a lot of time for the process to come to fruition. Now, we, we've kind of touched on this question indirectly uh, in both this podcast and previous uh, podcasts with you. But the question that many would like to ask is how confident are you that there are future NRL and NRLW players in our rep teams and development squads at Parramatta. And we've already mentioned that it's like a funnel. It gets very competitive the further up you go. Uh, but what does lie in the horizon there for Parramatta? I genuinely feel that because of the work we've done in the past three years uh, with our foundation academy and development programs, you'll see how many or how successful the program is in the next 12, 24 months by the number of players being um, elevated into the development full-time or NRL squad. I couldn't put a number on it, but I'm very, very confident that we're going to get a lot of decent numbers, squad sizes, um, players um, to move up into that NRLW, NRL Very exciting times, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, very exciting times, Johnny. Yeah, now... Look, we've, we've grabbed what information we can from you about what's happening in Eels Pathways, but now it's time. I want to put the focus back on you, Joey, because we didn't want to let this opportunity go without asking you about those future plans that are now taking you away from Parramatta, and it's big news. Can you please share that with everyone? Okay. Well, it is with a um, sad heart that um, I did resign from Parramatta four weeks ago, being my last day tomorrow, uh, my last day's tomorrow. So an opportunity came up. Uh, as you guys are aware, um, I've been involved with Papua New Guinea for, uh, for the past four seasons. I was involved in a consultancy type of role to set up their high performance, uh, their Kummels and Orchids programs. However, the relationship that I've fostered um, with the PNG people have uh, opened an opportunity where they have declared that they want to be considered the 18th team um, in 2026. With this, they've asked me to come on board and this is something that um, rolled out um, in November, December last year. The chairman and the CEO of the Papua New Guinea Rugby League flew over and we met up and they told me about what they were thinking and would I uh, consider it and come on board. Initially, uh, I knocked it back straight away. I said, no, I'm happy at Parramatta and things are great. I can see some things, um, some major things happening at our club, uh, which we just spoke about in the next 12, 24 months. And they didn't want to go without having some sort of highlight or glimpse of hope. Um, and they said, what would it take for you to come? And there were some requests that I said and we spoke about some things. And evidently, over the next two or three months, um, to and fro, they're sending emails and 
corresponding and they flew back out. And where we were in November um, was a considerable distance to where we were in February. So it started to get a bit serious and they told me about uh, what they wanted me to project, what they wanted me to do. Um, I looked after all the high-end stuff, but they really wanted my skill set in setting up a foundation of the pathway program from the 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old pathway for PNG. And that would be that would go a long way to ensuring that the criteria of the 18th team mm-hmm. was met. Um, one of the things is that they need to demonstrate that they've got an adequate pathway um, from promoting from within. And with my skill set, uh, I've done it quite successfully and something that I, I know I have a good knowledge base about. So, again, I flew over, uh, met with them, um, spoke to my wife, and it became a, a real-life opportunity where um, I advised Parramatta. Um, so my role over there will be the manager of coaching development and pathways. And as I said to you briefly, that um, they have, uh, and you guys know this and your listeners would know this, um, rugby league to PNG is like cricket is to the subcontinent, to the Indian, the Pakistani um, um, people we have in our country. It's just, uh, it's like a religion over there, Jono. Mm -hmm. And 60s, we've spoken about this privately. And for us to get an opportunity to invest an 18th team into the NRL for the PNG country and the PNG people and for the PNG Prime Minister would be something, it would be unbelievable. And that word unbelievable is part of the reason why I accepted this job. It's something that can't be created again. It's history in the making if we are the 18th team. And I would like to be considered one of the people that made that happen mm. if it came to fruition. Now, we've got a long way to go um, before we get to that 2026 announcement, but I really genuinely feel that um, I can add a lot of value into um, what they want me to do over there to make it a more sustainable and a more realistic proposition to be that 18th team So with this, um, I'll be flying in, flying out. So I'll be living in Port Moresby, um, but flying back every month to obviously stay and visit and um, um, be with my family back here in Australia. It's a a two-and-a-half-year contract, and the guarantee is that if we are successful, then um, the uh, 18th team, the PNG for a better word, we'll just call it the PNG Cumbles um, because we don't know what our, our bid, bid uh, name is exactly just yet. But they'll be based here in Australia. It's highly likely that it'll be based in, in the northern part of Queensland. Um, the the good part is is that after the two and a half years, I will have an automatic role with the new franchise. So from a personal development point of view, um, the opportunity... Uh, outweigh some of the limitations or some of the areas of concern, not, like not being with the family for a period of two or three weeks, uh, being in a foreign country, being in a country where the resources may not be uh, as plentiful as they are here in Australia. But the, um, um, the development um, in this space 
would be something or is something that really drawn my attention. And my wife and I spoke about it. It's been something that we've considered for five months and we've decided to roll the dice. So I'm no longer um, working for Parramatta, but um, there's an old um, saying, you can take a boy out of Parramatta, but you can't take Parramatta <laughs> out of a boy and that's that's me in a nutshell and i genuinely believe that it could be a possibility that um you know i'm 50 years of age i've still got 15 years of work left in me um my wife suggests that i'll be back at Parramatta one day and i, I totally believe that as well and and this isn't just a flight of fancy by the way because on the weekend peter volandis gave it the stamp of approval he wants papua new guinea in the nrl as the 18th team so this is very very exciting space for you joey it's very exciting, and I wouldn't have done all the due diligence. I wouldn't have taken me five months to um, ensure that this was more than just a uh, a wish in the ocean. Mm-hmm. This is a genuine, genuine opportunity to create history with a country which I have um, a, a fond relationship with already, and if that goes ahead the people and that country and the NRL will be a better spot or a better place having PNG into it. Um, very, very exciting. And it's a genuine opportunity, Jono. Well, mate, you know, you've you, you touched on this before about um, how much Parramatta's in your blood and you've basically had an association with the club since you were a junior rep player yourself. You've had... Um, even with a little bit of time away from the club, you, you're, what, about 32, 33 years involvement yep. with the Parramatta Reels? We it's my know 31st that, year, yep. Yeah, we know that this wouldn't have been an easy decision for you, and especially given that you have that passion for Parramatta, but you've also developed that um, attachment with... Uh, with PNG so what you just said just then it doesn't surprise me that if you were going to look elsewhere that it was going to be something more than just football that there was going to be that um, a little bit of an emotional attachment that would um, that would lead you towards um, an opportunity elsewhere well the, the the way that I feel about this club and I genuinely love this club having been here for 31 years and my kids are, are mad Parramatta fans. I was married on Parramatta Stadium. That's how much this club means yeah. to me. And for me to leave, and I've had a lot of opportunities to go elsewhere, for me to leave, it would have to be something special. And this is not only special, um, but it's history-making if it happens. Mm. So um, it, it, it's taken something monumental to even um, allow me to consider to leave. Um, but as I say to you, mate, I'm not saying goodbye. I'm going to say I'll see you soon. And on, on that note, it's almost fitting that I ask you this question, Joey, but whenever we see you at the footy, whatever grade it is, whether it's pathways or senior football, no matter who's involved, Eels or whatever opposition club, there's always people stopping you to say hello. It's almost like a procession. You poor guy can't get to your spot where you need to be. <laughs> You've got a much-loved place in the rugby community. There is no doubt uh, about that. And, and you know what, John, I, I feel so humbled and I would never not stop to talk to someone, not because, you know, I'm trying to big note myself or whatever. I just love genuinely talking to people that want to have a chat to me. And that, 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 that is the God's honest truth. You will always talk football for anyone that's interested. You would have been inundated with messages, surely, about your departure from the Eels and a new challenge on your horizon. 
Do you have anything you'd like to say to all those people who, who know you, who admire you, who respect the work that you've brought to Parramatta and to Rugby League? I'd, I'd just say the same thing that, um, uh, that I said to my wife and um, Parramatta gave me this opportunity. Parramatta nurtured me to get this opportunity and Parramatta, whilst they were disappointed of my decision, they have encouraged me to get this opportunity. So anyone that's listening to this podcast, anyone that's associated with Parramatta or not Parramatta, if you're a rugby league fan, um, everyone's done something small in the opportunity for everyone that gets a promotional or goes ahead in rugby league. And I believe that um, I've made so many lifelong friends and so many people um, that I enjoy their company that are listening to this podcast. And some of the people listening to your podcast are those wonderful people that I love to catch up with after training or after a game. So um, I've always said it, the level of um, um, respect that you have given this club in the way that you uh, promote our pathways and our younger men and women through our um, um, through our uh, pathway programs um, has been amazing and your friendship um, along with your listeners does not go unnoticed and as I said to you Jono it's it's not goodbye it's see you soon yeah and it's it's not quite closing the chapter on our on our story right now because obviously tomorrow night at the uh, junior rep presentation awards we have a chance to to say farewell not like I said not farewell but see you soon but see you jo- soon. Joey uh, your time at the club with us has been nothing short of amazing you've been so sharing and giving of of access of uh, information of just you know football knowledge you've made us better uh, I suppose not not coaches you know what I mean but armchair coaches I suppose just by having a chance to talk to you and I know that everyone in the tip sheet that listens has always seriously appreciated the insight that you bring to the show so it's like I said, it's one of the most bittersweet moments we've had on the show to say see you soon in that capacity, but we wish you nothing but the best going to PNG and making the 18th franchise in the NRL and, and carving out an incredible chapter in the history of Rugby League. And can I just also, can I just throw in there as well that we mentioned in that, in, in that last question, John, about how whenever we're um, with Joey at, at whatever level of football and all the people that will stop him and, and say hello – is that one of the things, and this is why, you know, like you're so special to us, mate. When we're with you and we have, and people stop you and what have you, one of the first things you say to them after you've, you've exchanged your greetings is an introduction of who we are and, and a recommendation to people that you're talking to that they get, if they're not aware of the Cumberland throw, they get onto the Cumberland throw. And, And it's, and it's just, you know, that's one of the more humbling things is that you're introducing us to these people who are, you know, not just involved with the Parramatta Club, but you've introduced us to people who are involved with other clubs that, you know, you're, you're saying hello to, whether it be at schoolboy carnivals or at, or at um, matches at junior reps or at trial games, whatever the case may be, you've introduced us to so many different people and, and talked about us to those people and... I mean, that's as humbling as it can get for for us. And you know, you know how special your friendship's been to us um, for so long now. And um, yeah, it's just we can't express enough just how 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 much success we wish for mm-hmm. you in your your this new 
adventure that you're yeah, going I, on right now. I don't usually cheer for another NRL team, but I'll definitely be bar- <laughs> I'll definitely be barracking for PNG success. Oh, thanks, thanks, sixties. It, it, it means a great deal, and I think that just probably um, um, you know uh, replicates how I feel about you guys in this program. And who knows? I would love to do. We could do the first ever podcast from PNG. Oh, um, mate, I'll be. Yeah. Plenty, plenty on board to help uh, to help the growth of the PNG programs, uh, Joey. So whenever you want to talk PNG, you let us know, and there'll always Good be a spot on the tip sheet. I love you guys. You know how I feel about you and your listeners. Stick solid with Parramatta. I know we're going through a bit of a tough patch at the moment, but um, we invariably come out come out the uh, other end. So um, I love you guys, and I love your listeners. And um, blue and gold never fold. Thank you, Mate, Joey. Beautiful. Thanks, Joey.